Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. so fat. That's what you're going to lead in with? Yep. I broke my toilet seat at work. Oh. And I sat there for about five minutes as it was pinching my ass, debating whether or not to cry. Not from the pain, but yep. Was it like pinching your ass cheek enough that when you try and get up, it try and go with you? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. That probably didn't feel very pleasant. No, no. Ego hurt more. Like if a diet ever had a sound, it's the sound of a toilet seat snapping (laughs) under a 300-pound ass. Well, I'm sure your ass doesn't quite weigh that much. Well, the toilet seat seat would beg to differ if it was still alive, but it's dead. I killed it. We're talking about all your weight from, like, your knees up. Yeah, still, it's heavy, it's heavy, and as soon as it happened, it just like, snap, and I was like, oh, there you are, hey, rock bottom, I haven't seen you in forever, <laughs> me, well, uh, I could be better right now, I tell you what, Aww. I'm sorry, honey, and so the next day I came in, and the night guy was like, he said, you're six foot one. What was on the shelves that you had to stay on the toilet to reach? I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> that was me. That was all Billy's ass right there. In all fairness, it's probably a pretty old toilet seat. Erica, we've known each other since the seventh grade, so um, fucking stop, okay? <laughs> stop. I'm fat. You can say it. It's okay. I don't see it's you okay. as fat. Yeah, well... The toilet seat would beg to differ before I killed it. I mean, I know I'm fat. I'm so fat I can't get my rings off anymore. Someone posted on Facebook on one of the nursing groups I'm in the other day about losing a ring when she took off her gloves. And I told her the key is to just get so fat that you can't get them off. Then you don't have to worry about losing them in gloves. <laughs> Life hack. That's what I did. Unintentionally, but I did it. Um, yeah, so Monday I'm going to the gym and... I'm going to stay there until I don't break toilet seats anymore. (laughs) I'm just going to work myself to death. Today's day six of a nine-day stretch. Yay! And three of these days, I'm working over, so... Ooh. Overtime. What? That makes me happy. Yeah. Well, we need it. I'm I'm sure come Tuesday, I won't be that happy. I'll just be staring off into space, hair disheveled. Circles under my eyes. Yeah. And when do the kids go back? Wednesday? I believe so. That's the other reason. Because I gotta... What? The house will be all quiet. Yep. And I can just sleep. Yep. Woo! Sage will be here. Yeah. But then Thursday, 
Sage is going to have a rude awakening when everyone's out of the house all day. She's not experienced that yet. Oh, yeah, we're in the new house now. So if it sounds different, it's because it's a new house. This is what a new house sounds like. Yay. And we have a dog. Yay. I'll have to share pictures of her. I just got one. She was co-hosting just a minute ago. You guys won't hear her because she doesn't talk. She literally does not bark. Haven't right. heard her She'll play around to kind of growl a kind little of bit. Kind of growl a bit, but that's about it. Nugget says that she barked once outside, but I'm not entirely sure I believe him. Look at her. Laying over there. Being lazy. She's my little meatball. Isn't that right, sister? Yes, she is. I'm going to take a picture of her right now. Up. Up. Oh, way Sorry. to go, Billy. God, I'm fat. <sighs> Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, I guess. Podcast where Billy says he's fat, and we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. I am your host, Erica, joined by my quote-unquote fat husband, Billy. I even bought the fixings to make chili dogs tonight. Oh. As I was buying, as I was getting it off the shelf, I'm like, Billy, you fat fuck, what are you fucking doing? Stop it! <laughs> You're making Sage feel for you. She's got to come comfort you. Hey, She's like, I'll hey just little like tater tot. <laughs> so, uh, on the notion of being fat and eating too much, we got a good one for you guys tonight. The topic is William Jones. I went to the bathroom at work. Just snapped. Just snapped. Just fucking snapped. End of story. Bye, guys. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, tonight we're going to talk about an international story. So those of you who may be listening in France or Japan, you might know this one. This is the case of Issei Sagawa. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Issei Sagawa, also known as Peng or the Paris Cannibal, murdered and cannibalized Dutch student René Hartfelt in Paris in 1981 and pretty much completely got away with it. You know what else happened in 1981? This guy. I fucking charged out of my mom's vagina. Wow. Boom. Goes the dynamite. Shoulders and all. She'll tell you. Yeah. Call call mom. She'll tell you about my shoulders. Yep. I hear about it every damn time. Billy and his big ass shoulders. But my little sister tore up the front. And yeah. that silences every argument. Okay. No woman can ever say shit because Billy's sister, the younger one who's not been on the podcast, tore up the front. Tore up the front. All the way to the quit. That. God bless that woman. God. Oh. Anyway. In the arms of an <laughs> angel. <laughs> back to cannibalism. There you go. Bringing it back in. <laughs> Enough with tearing vaginas. Issei Sagawa was born to wealthy parents in Kobe Hyogo Prefecture, Japan. They have long names like England does. Yeah. Okay. It was on April 26, 1949. He was born prematurely and was reported to have been so small that he fit in his father's palm. You know, I, I, I can't remember if I was premature or not in 1981. The doctor was drunk and he wanted to leave. So he, every woman that was kind of like um, close 
like he induced them. He 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 broke their waters. So I could have been premature. I could have been right on time. What was your due date? I don't know. I was inside of uh, uterus at the time. They didn't tell me. Your mom could have told you. I didn't hear her. I was inside. You you just don't listen. <laughs> you don't listen to your mom, Billy. <laughs> Blame me when I'm inside the God. womb. God, I'm talking listens. about in your life on Earth, no, I not in a womb. We never talked about that. Maybe you should have. Then you would know. But he was a sickly baby, wasn't he? He was. He was sickly. Though, in my research, uh, reports differ. Some say that he was afflicted with enteritis, which is an inflammation of the intestines. And others say encephalitis, uh, which I would kind of be more inclined to think it was that, just because of the shape of his head as an adult. But that's swelling in the brain. And doctors weren't really sure if he would even survive. But he eventually recovered and remained small and frail throughout his life, which if you look up pictures of him, you can tell he's kind of an odd man. Kind of a large head, short, stumpy fingers. He's just kind of funny looking. He's an, yeah. Yeah. He's he's an odd duck. Yeah. He looks like somebody that would eat somebody else, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like a Dutch student? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Of course, this... Being small and frail and kind of weak led to some self-esteem issues. He didn't feel too good about himself. He first experienced cannibalistic urges when he saw a man's thigh in the first grade. Although he says to this day he never had homosexual tendencies. It just happened to be the thigh that looked pretty tasty. He reported in a 2010... I got a big one. It breaks toilet seats. <laughs> I thought it was your 300-pound ass. It's all one. It's all one big piece. <laughs> in a 2010 Vice interview, which can be viewed on YouTube, and it's listed under Interview with a Cannibal. I uh, just rewatched it myself. I'd seen it before to do some of my research. So go on YouTube and watch that. He said that he didn't know how to masturbate in his youth and would instead engage in bestiality with his dog. That whole thing made no fucking sense. How so? Well, it's not hard to figure out how to masturbate. I'm not the smartest person in the world, and hell, I think I perfected it. And it seems like he wouldn't know what to do with his dick, but he seemed to know what to do with his dick as far as a dog was concerned. Well, he said in the interview that he would let the dog lick it. Okay, enough of that. Let's just (laughs) move on. He began having... He's the reason they pixelate genitals now on Japanese porn, I bet. Probably. Way to go, buddy. (laughs) He began having cannibalistic desires for women, especially Western women, at a young age. He thought that they were tall and beautiful and strong, kind of the opposite of how he felt about himself. So, by that rationale, he's like, man, she's so tall and beautiful and... Wow, I want to eat her. I don't understand how that thought... Pro- well, fuck it, I mean... Yeah. He wanted to eat humans, and he thought the most beautiful and desirable ones were Western women, I suppose. If you're gonna eat a steak, you know, go for the filet mignon. He'd eat you. Nah. Yep. I'm sure there's a lot of fat and gristle on there. No, I bet you... It'd be funny if I said that, you're like, that's the sweetest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
<laughs> Stop, I'm crying. <laughs> really? <laughs> In Tokyo, when Sagawa was 23, he followed a German woman home, intending to hit her with an umbrella and tear away a piece of flesh to cannibalize. Why not? Just, just snatch it and shove it in your mouth. He uh, broke in while she was sleeping, but, you know, being tall and strong, she was able to fight him off. There's that. <laughs> the police arrested him, and they actually charged him with attempted rape, but he never confessed to authorities what he had actually planned to do that night. <laughs> yeah, What he was going to do was so bad that they were like, this is attempted rape. He's like, yeah, sure, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds good. He wasn't going to be like, no, you don't understand. I was going to try and eat a little bit of her. I was going to hit just her. Just a nibble. I just wanted to eat her. <laughs> no, 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 officer. Eat her. <laughs> oh, no, like cannibal. cannibal. Yeah. I want to do cannibal things. Can't, <laughs> cannibal stuff. Just new boot goofing. Want to eat somebody. You know. Can you loosen these cuffs? On Sagawa's 28th birthday, he left for Paris, France to pursue a Ph.D. in literature. He's actually kind of a smart guy. He attended the Sorbonne University and continued to fantasize about cannibalism. I graduated from there. No, you didn't. Nope. <laughs> he stated, quote, Almost every night I would bring a prostitute home and then try to shoot them. But for some reason my fingers froze up and I couldn't pull the trigger. Man. You'd think word, word would get around with the prostitutes. Like, hey, is that funny-looking Japanese guy over there? He's going to try to shoot you. He won't. He'll pussy out. But he's going to try. Almost. Charge a lot. Charge a whole lot. After finishing his graduate program, he took a cruise to Greece and ended up sharing a table with a butcher and his wife. And the butcher proceeded to explain to Sagawa how to butcher meat. And after the murder, he would actually write a thank you letter to that butcher. But never got a reply because she couldn't read and write that well. <laughs> We're talking about Australian-born Catherine Knight. <laughs> she, she didn't know it was a thank you letter because she can't fucking read. <laughs> Go back and check our early episodes for Dad, It's What's for Dinner to hear about Catherine Knight. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> She's a bad bitch. Issei met Renee Hartfelt at Sorbonne University in class. She was pursuing her PhD in French literature. She was 5'10", beautiful, independent, she spoke three languages, and she had a bright future ahead of her. They became friends, socialized on various occasions, and Sagawa began to believe that she was perfect for what he felt was now an obligation to cannibalize her rather than a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta do it. Yeah. It's happening. The urge was so strong that he was like, no, I, I gotta do this. So on June 11th of 1981, when you were still in the womb. Not listening and not listening, being a bad kid. Being an ass. Yeah. Sagawa invited... Working, doing shrugs, working out my shoulders, apparently. <laughs> Sagawa invited Renee over to his apartment for dinner lying to her and saying that he needed assistance with a poetry assignment for one of his classes. It would have been easy. It would have been more believable if it was like, can you help me move a dresser? Because he's not that strong. Renee came over and they ate dinner and talked for a while. He probably didn't eat very much. Gotta save Build room. Build up his appetite. Yeah. Save room. Sagawa asked Renee to read some poetry aloud while he recorded it. 
Little did she know that he had purchased a 22 caliber rifle when he had arrived in France for quote-unquote self-protection purposes. As she read the poetry with her back to Sagawa and the recorder was going, he silently took out the rifle, raised it towards her, and pulled the trigger. And all of this was caught on the recording. And Is that available? I could not find it. But there are tons of pictures. Some of the sources I found say that she was struck in the back of the neck, while others state the back of the head. So it was in that region. What we know for sure, she got shot. Regardless, Sagawa himself stated that she continued to speak a few more words. So it was probably not an instantaneous death. It took a couple of seconds, if he's correct in that. But then she fell over onto the desk and then tumbled over onto the floor. He said he fainted from the shock of shooting her, but when he came to, he realized that he had to finish what he had planned to do. He said there was a lot of blood. He tried putting a towel under her head, trying to clean it up, and then he realized that, no, there's no point in hiding it. I I gotta eat this bitch. (laughs) Those were his words. Mm -hmm. He said it. Not really, but Uh, maybe in his head. I can admire his perseverance, though. You know, gotta do it. Sagawa attempted biting directly into her flesh, but it was too tough, and he ended up with a sore jaw. Um, Some people really got it bad. Yep. And then there's Issei. Yep. He tried cutting into her with a fruit knife as well, but that wouldn't do the job either. So he left the apartment and purchased a large curved meat knife. Now, when he, shouldn't he, I guess, shouldn't he, have had all that? Didn't a butcher kind of give him the 411 on how to do shit like this? He, he told him how to butcher people, but he was under the assumption that he could just bite right into somebody and chew off a piece. Well, like, like we're made out of fucking Reese's pieces, like Reese's treats? He really had no common sense. That was... He's a, a book smart, but no common sense. Because all he had to do was just try to do that to himself. And if he can't do it to himself, one would probably think the rest of the human race is like this. Maybe. Have you ever tried to bite yourself to the point of ripping off your flesh? I got really sad on that toilet. I got really sad. You tried to guilt eat? (laughs) (laughs) Tried to eat my forearm. (laughs) Holding my big fucking man boobs. You fat, big fat piece of shit. Nom, nom, nom. He bought the bracelet for Belinda's birthday. It's like, you all right, Nerd Billy? I'm fine. I'm fine. Occupied. I might need help in a minute. The seats really got me. Were you alone in the store, though, at the time? No, the guy was up front. It was was on a Friday. Oh, well, there's at least that. Someone could have saved you if they needed to. Yeah, thank God. Thank God he was there. (laughs) So, uh, like I was saying... Issei went and bought a meat knife, and using that as well as an electric carving knife, he began cutting her, separating strips of flesh to store and eat at a later time. He then raped the corpse and took pictures as he mutilated it. And unfortunately, these pictures and pictures from the morgue were leaked to the public and can be found easily online if you wish to test your stomach contents, because... 
even though they are black and white, it's pretty intense. He really did a number on her. Quote, The first thing I did was cut into her buttock. No matter how deep I cut, all I saw was the fat beneath the skin. It looked like corn, and it took a while to actually reach the red meat. The moment I saw the meat, I tore a chunk off with my fingers and threw it into my mouth. It was a truly historical moment for me. Wow, really? It's all about him. I ended up swallowing the clitoris and some pubes without chewing on it because she had her period then, and the smell was just horrendous. So sorry her odor offended you Dick. as you're eating her flesh. Hey, it's weird you have like um, preferences and then how you, you the stuff you don't like when you're eating a person. You yeah. still, like you still have standards. Wow. Mm-hmm. After eating his fill and becoming exhausted, he took the corpse to bed with him to sleep with. He continued to eat pieces from it throughout the next day. He tried the nose, a breast, and even the anus. He cut it out, but when he tried to eat it, he couldn't because of the smell. Once again. So he spit it out and fried it up, but it didn't diminish the smell and he decided to move on. Near the end of the day, he noticed flies starting to gather, so he used a hatchet to finish dismembering the body into luggage-sized pieces. He bagged them, put them into two suitcases, and called a cab. Because that's what you do when you want to get rid of a body, right? France is weird. When the cab driver arrived and attempted to load Sagawa's luggage, he jokingly asked if there was a body in them. Sagawa told him it was books. (laughs) Sagawa told him it was books, and things proceeded swimmingly. You got a body in these? Well, it's not a fried anus, I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so wrong. Should be the title of the episode. It's not a Friday anus. <laughs> the cab took him to the Bois de Boulogne, a large public park, and there was a lake at the park. It was dusk, and several people were still out and about. And Sagawa struggled with the luggage, of course, because he's so weak and frail, and the luggage is heavy because it's holding a fucking body. The whole so. time he's pushing it. Come on, books. <laughs> Work with me, books. <laughs> What are you guys looking at? It's not a fried anus. What? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, as he's struggling with it, attempting to dump it in the lake at the park, he needed to take a rest. So he took a break and was watching the sunset, and a man approached and asked if the suitcases were his, to which he nervously and instinctively replied, Nope, not mine, not mine at all. I don't know anything about two suitcases full of lady parts. Not me. This sounds legit. I don't know what you're talking about. I did fucking kill somebody and eat them. What? You're a cannibal. Don't run. Well, he he didn't really just say all that. He just was like, uh, no. And started walking away. And according to Sagawa, the man opened one up and upon seeing a severed limb shouted, Murderer! And of course, Sagawa blew that pop stand. He wasn't going to hang around. I didn't eat her! (laughs) And, um... You know, he's a, a Japanese guy in the middle of France, so I'm sure he probably didn't blend in very well. Yeah. Just saying. We. Oui. Wee oui, wee? Oui. Wee. Oui. The police diligently traced the suitcases. Of course, 
That was with some help from the cab driver who happened to see the story in the news. And they, who, I... Who watched it and was like, I fucking knew it! There were <laughs> bodies in there! Called it! What if that's what he got really mad to? He was like, that fucking liar! <laughs> he told me there were books! And I believed him! <laughs> to this day, he doesn't trust Japanese people at all. Yeah. <laughs> he won't pick up a Japanese person in his cab. <laughs> No luggage. I'll give you a ride. No luggage. Empty your pockets. Yeah. If you say book, I'm going to hit you. (laughs) Um, The authorities were also able to identify Renee's remains. And like I said, there are pictures from the actual morgue when they were doing the autopsy while she's on the slab. If you really want to look at that. And four days after dumping the body, police arrived at Issei's apartment with a search warrant. They found some of Renee's remains in the fridge, including her lips. And Sagawa professed to authorities, quote, I killed her to eat her flesh. Yeah, the whole time he's standing there just meek in the corner, you know, and he's like, man, I really hope they don't open that fucking fridge. <laughs> oh, shit, they oh, did. I'm going to have a lot of explaining. To- Let oh. me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> That's the, oh, really, guys? Oh. <laughs> I'm sure they also saw the big pool of blood in the middle of his apartment floor, which he shows you pictures in the documentary on YouTube of his apartment if you want to see what it looked like. Not the crime scene, but what his apartment layout kind of looked like. In a Vice interview in 2008, Sagawa stated his desire to cannibalize was purely sexual, that he never actually wanted to kill anyone. That he would have eaten Renee while alive if she would have just allowed it. Yeah. Yeah, if she had been cool, but apparently she's a fucking square. I mean, come on. I just want to taste it. God. Just tear me off a piece. You don't need all those fingers. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Dutch student. Woo! I just thought of that. You're good. <laughs> I should be a, a music composer. You mean you're not? Nope. Just naturally talented. Me too, man. You should see how I sit on toilets. <laughs> toilets can't believe it. <laughs> uh, you ever see those ads for like, CEOs hate him, and here's the reason why. And it's like some ad clickbait, and it's a picture of me like, toilet seats hate him. Click here to find out more. It's a picture of me like, my hands up, my pants down, like, no, no, take the picture. <laughs> like on my phone? Yeah. <laughs> According to Sagawa, quote, It wasn't like I felt like eating someone every time I was hungry. But you know how you tend to feel a stronger sexual desire when you've eaten a full meal? No. No, I really don't because I feel fat and full and I just, ugh. The last thing I wanted to do is, like, thrust my hips. (laughs) I'm good. Quote, That's when I would start feeling the urge to eat a girl. Frankly, I can't fathom why everyone doesn't feel this urge to eat, to consume other people. Don't you ever feel like this? Yeah. He asked the reporter. Sure, sure. And the reporter was like, hell's to the no. <laughs> Mm-mm. Not me. We're going to need to wrap this up, Mr. Sagawa. Yeah. Oh, I I think I left my oven on. I I got to go. <laughs> you know, right when he said that, he turned to the camera guy. I was like, tell me you got that. <laughs> this guy's nuttier than squirrel shit. Sagawa got the best defense that money could buy, paid for by his wealthy father, of course. 
and he was held for two years in France without actually going to trial. That was because French judge Jean-Louis Brugiere found Sagawa legally insane and unfit to stand trial. So basically, he was just locked up because they thought he was crazy. Thought? Well. But they didn't actually try him, so he wasn't convicted of anything in France. He was ordered to be indefinitely held in a mental institution. But while institutionalized, he was visited by author Inuhiko Yamoda, who then published Sagawa's account in Japan titled as In the Fog. As a result, Sagawa gained publicity and then became something of a macabre celebrity like Charles Manson or Richard Ramirez, but in France. This what if he's like the boogeyman in France? He might be. Go to sleep or Sagawa will get you. If you're from France and listening, let us know. He'll eat your butthole. Well, he'll try. <laughs> Gives new meaning to leather Cheerio, huh? <laughs> leather Cheerio, yeah. <laughs> this probably uh, contributed to the French authorities' decision in part to deport Sagawa back to Japan because he was getting all this macabre publicity. So he was deported. And upon his return, he was committed to Matsuzawa. I got the next word. Hospital. <laughs> yes. He was committed to Matsuzawa Hospital, where all of the psychologists who examined him found him completely sane. They all believed that it was a, quote, sexual perversion that motivated him, not insanity. So since the murder charges had been dropped in France and the court documents were sealed and not released to Japanese authorities, there was a major loophole. Sagawa couldn't legally be detained in Japan, because they thought he was sane. So on August 12th of 1986, five years after the murder, Sagawa left the mental hospital. Now some sources say he checked himself out. He says in his interview he was forced to leave. Regardless, he's free. He walked out. He's been free ever since never being found guilty of the crime or spending even a day in prison, a result of which has been widely criticized, as one would imagine. He killed and ate a woman, and he's out just parading around. And we'll talk to you about it if you ask him. Exactly. He likes to talk a lot. Following his release, Sagawa continued to try to keep his pseudo-celebrity status to pay his bills. Between 1986 and 1997, he frequently accepted offers to be a guest speaker and or a commentator on shows. And in 1989, Japanese media consulted with him when they arrested child killer Tsutomu Miyazaki. I think that says silent T. Tsutomu Miyazaki. Well, then you say the shit. Hospital. <laughs> they treated him almost as if he were like a real life Hannibal Lecter. And I'm kind of confused by that because he didn't kill any children. So why are they conferring with Yeah, him? yeah. We need to talk to you about this uh, child killer. It's like, you know I ate a woman, right? Grown woman. <laughs> like, how does that... Why are you asking me? <laughs> uh, sure, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> you know what? If I was him, I'd done the same thing. You gonna pay me? Mm -hmm. Well, sure. I'll give, give, give me his file, I guess. I'll fucking... I'll say something stupid, but if you pay me, <laughs> sure. In 1992, he played a sadosexual voyeur in Hisayasu Sato's exploitation porn film, Unfaithful Wife, Shameful Torture. Okay. Um, 
if I was browsing the porn section of a video store, guess which one I'm not grabbing? Unfaithful wife, shameful torture. <laughs> How is that appealing? Um, Japan's a little freaky about their sex stuff. Yeah. He has written approximately 20 books about his own case, as well as a 1997 book, Shonen A, about the Kobe child murders. He's painted pieces of artwork that have sold internationally. He's not that bad. And he even wrote restaurant reviews for the Japanese magazine Spa. Every review was like, tastes like butt. (laughs) Tastes like anus. Sagawa has struggled to find employment over the years, as well as publishers for his writing. Of course, because, you know, publishing about a man who killed and ate a woman... From the man who killed and ate a woman is a little bit frowned on. But you don't get any more from the horse's mouth than there, buddy. Yeah. A French language school almost accepted him simply because the manager was impressed that he used his own name. But, of course, this resulted in employee protest and he was turned out. <laughs> well, see what the big fucking deal is. <laughs> he came here to get a PhD in literature. He knows how to write. <laughs> His parents passed away in 2005, and he was prevented from going to the funerals. And from what I read, they supposedly died, like, within one day of each other from different medical conditions. Wow, weird. Yeah, it was like, boom, boom. Like we said earlier, the dad was wealthy, paid for his defense, but maybe that defense broke him because they must not have left him much. He paid off their debts and then ended up moving into public housing. He even received welfare for a period of time. So, I'm guessing maybe his daddy didn't have life insurance, or who knows. He told Vice in a 2010 interview that being forced to try and earn a living while being known as a murderous cannibal was a terrible punishment. Worse than the death sentence. Aww, poor guy. Yeah. Real bummer. After that, he asked the interviewer if he could borrow 20 bucks. (laughs) Hey, man, can you flip me a 20? I saw a tweet one time. This has nothing really to do with cannibalism, but uh, it was a tweet <laughs> or a response to a tweet, and it was a guy, like, the question was, like, what's the brokest you've ever been? And he said, my credit card <laughs> my credit card got declined on a packet of ramen. <laughs> so the cashier just said, man, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's broke. That is. He also claimed to be impotent and unable to masturbate and feared that without a way to release some of his desire sexually that he could then again turn to cannibalism. Quick, somebody get him a hooker. (laughs) Now, in my research, in November of 2013, he evidently had some type of cerebral hemorrhage or stroke and required assistance, which was provided by a caregiver and his younger brother. Couldn't really find any more recent news about Sagawa. No updates. I don't even know if the man's still alive. According to the sources I've read, he is. But I couldn't find out like where he's at or what he's doing. He's probably in his what late 60s, early 70s. Sure. I'm not going to do the math right now. <laughs> well, he had to be in his 70s. He was born in the 40s. He, I think he was like... 64 when he did the interviews, so he's probably right around 70. 68? Numbers. Was he born in 49? Hospital. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Hospital. 
But the one thing that kind of echoed throughout all of the most recent information I could find up to 2013 was that he often said that he only longs for death now, but he's too scared to do it himself. He said, quote, Wouldn't it be wonderful to be covered with women's spit? Uh, no, it wouldn't, no. If I could die drowning in it, that would be my ultimate dream come true. I'm a cowardly man who killed another person, yet I can't face killing myself. So I guess dying at the hands of a woman would be my way to redemption. <sighs> yeah. He's a real sack of shit. Damn, whatever, Sagawa. Fucking... I don't even want to think about someone licking me and getting their spit on me, let alone well, swimming in a pool of it. You don't mind it when I, you know. I don't mind it in the moment, but thinking about spit <laughs> just being on my skin is just blech. Yeah. But in the moment, I guess it's cool. It's hot. <laughs> hot. So that's Issei Sagawa. That's why if you follow us on Facebook... I put a little teaser out the other day because we just recently hit 15,000 U.S. downloads. So thank you, all of our U.S. listeners. I put a little teaser in there and made reference to people from France to Japan listening in. That was kind of what I was hinting at. So I feel stupid that I felt I had to explain that, but that's what it was. So there. Yeah. You got anything else to add on Issei Sagawa? Um, maybe try to saute the ass hmm. with maybe some garlic and rosemary and some thyme. Uh, that's about it. Maybe he should have washed it off first. You would think. Rinse it out. Yeah. Just pull it open and run some water through it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucked up. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's all I got to say. He should have pulled open the asshole. Anyway, uh. <laughs> here's where we got to do our PSAs. We would like you to follow us. That's a public service announcement. Thank you, honey. Good job. Oh. <laughs> We'd like you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's at Martinis and the Macabre. Our Twitter is martini underscore macabre. Billy likes to stay on top of that, right? I try to. I try my best. Yeah. Visit our website, www.martinisinthemacabre.com. Has a full episode catalog, pictures for each episode. We have a little bit of a bio. We have a contact page. If you want to email us directly, it's martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. We want to thank Phaser765 for doing the artwork for our thumbnail, and I will attempt to add a new song from him. I don't currently have any downloaded, but I know he has new ones on SoundCloud. You can find him on SoundCloud and on YouTube, and that's Phaser, P-H-A-Z-E-R-765. Makes awesome music. He does awesome artwork. He's got a Patreon set up. You can donate to him on that. Just try and find Phaser765. I'm sure it's not that difficult to find him. But he's awesome. And he does awesome things. He's a great kid. And we love him. I also want to tell you guys to check out a couple of new podcasts I've come across. Um, first one's Color Me Dead. They do true crime. Two girls, Ember and Angel. They do an awesome job. They're funny. It's a really good show to listen to. 
and one that I just started listening to today. It's a really new one. It's called The Shift Podcast. It is two uh, EMTs, paramedics, talking about their job, uh, runs they've been on. If you're interested in, you know, the medical field, paramedics, nursing, anything like that, check them out. They're also really funny. Sound like they'd be cool guys to hang out with. So I did want to give shout outs to them. And I also want to give a shout out to Stephanie Hanks on her Facebook page, who um, suggested that we should start putting out an episode every week <laughs> after we uh, gave her a little teaser. Do you guys hear Sage? <laughs> She's thirsty. I don't know if we can pick that up on the mic or not. But Stephanie Hanks, who suggested we uh, put out an episode every week, I'm not sure if that's something that will happen right away. And I've also been toying with the idea of maybe if we start a Patreon, doing like a mini-sode on our off weeks for Patreon supporters. I don't know. If you guys think that would be something cool to do, let us know and uh, we'll get back to you on that. But thank you, Stephanie, for your interest and your support. Hi, and wanting more. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And to quote her, she said, give us more hilarity. <laughs> so on that note, I can't think of anything else I need to shout out. I'm on my sixth day of work and my brain is fried. And I feel like I'm just talking in circles. And Billy walked away from the mic and now I'm all alone by myself and I feel really self-conscious. Oh God, get back here. I'm freaking out. Oh man. So uh, do you have anything you need to shout out? Any podcast, any people on Twitter? Um, let's see. Creepy is a good podcast. They do creepy pastas. That's the only one I've been really, really listening to lately. Okay. Everyone check out Creepy. 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 It is really good. And follow everything on CCR. We haven't mentioned them in a while. Yeah. They're great. They have a whole gaggle of shows to listen to. And one of them is Last Podcast on the Lift, which was kind of the inspiration for our show. Um, but there's other great ones. Roundtable with Gentlemen, Sex and Other Human Activities, Page 7, uh, Brighter Side. Wizard and the Bruiser. Wizard and the Bruiser. And Ben Kissel has his own, the Ben Kissel Show. Ben Kissel Show, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Yeah. Anyway, all those. Go to Cave Comedy Radio and you can find all those. And they're all really great. We really want to thank you guys. Our download numbers are amazing. We've already passed last month's download total by at least 600. And we've still got like two days to go in the month. You guys are crushing it. And we appreciate it so much. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you get a chance. Or if you're on um, an app or a site where you get your podcast that you're able to rate or review. We'd really appreciate that. Kind of help spread the word. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing that you like. What we're doing that you don't like. If you give us a rating, please give us a review and tell us why you rated it that way. We would super appreciate it. And I'd give you thumbs up and high fives through the microphone yay like that that was a good high five yeah do you guys like the high five that's great i gave you an early one if you haven't reviewed and rated yet that that was your one freebie go do it enjoy that yeah i'm, I'm really not telling you what you have to do but we'd like it i am you want that high five <laughs> if you want that high five you're gonna work for it <laughs>
It's right. So, I guess that brings everything to a close. New house. First episode in the new house. We're loving it here. It's so quiet. You don't hear the kids pounding through on the wood floors. Yeah. It's really nice. Loving it. Thank you guys for being patient and understanding with us. I know we haven't been able to engage as much lately because we've been so busy unpacking and you know all the stuff that comes with changing the address and updating the bank and everywhere else so we've been kind of busy but i am already researching for the next show um it's going to be another mystery kind of in the vein of the blair twitch project which was episode one which people tend to like quite a bit so be sure mystery be sure to stay tuned because i've got another fucking mystery for you it's a doozy so um thanks again we love you guys stay safe be kind and we'll see you in two weeks bye bye Thank mm-hmm. you.
Dude, we have got to lay off of Canada for a while.